Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. 75 degrees outside. Still incredibly warm. I'm afraid this is all going to come crashing to uh, an end in the next day or so, but it's been a wonderful week, and I don't know if we can call stuff Indian Summer anymore without offending people, but at the risk of offending people, what a great series of, of Indian Summer days, and um, I tell you, it doesn't get much better than this. Uh, thanks to Scott Worse for filling in for me for the last couple days. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about the important stuff. Hey, while I was gone, we launched this WTMJ Cares initiative, the Pass the Turkey initiative. Melissa Barkley, WTMJ, teaming up with the Hunger Task Force to help make a difference for families in need this holiday season and we're also trying to have a little fun we are all competing to see who can help donate the most thanksgiving turkeys to family in need it's wtmj cares pass the turkey okay so here's what you do now i kind of got off to a slow start about this because we launched it thursday and i was gone on thursday so what you can do is you can go to wtmj our our main page and then right at the top they've got this pass the turkey thing you click on that and you can donate and it's it's 15 bucks it goes to the hunger task force per turkey and they keep Keep track. So it's a little bit of a competition. And actually, I appreciate this. We've got 56 turkeys donated. I haven't even on the air to talk about this. But um, it, it's it's a friendly competition. But the bottom line is it's a good cause. So um, if you've been thinking about doing this, I would encourage you to do it. Go to WTMJ.com. You, you click on the Pass the Turkey thing, and then you can scroll down. And they make it really easy. They've got all the different shows that are there. Click on mine and uh, donate a turkey. And, and the important thing, look, I, we, we do this because it's a little bit of fun to get some competition. And stuff, but the important thing is we got Thanksgiving coming up, and um, as the Hunger Task Force will tell you, there's a lot of people in this community who are less fortunate. We want to make sure we help feed as many people as we possibly can. So, to the extent that you can be generous, um, we certainly would appreciate that. And again, we've got a little bit of a fun thing going here at the station. But the the important thing is um, to try to again help out people at this holiday season. So, I would personally appreciate any support that you could give. All right. Let us get started. All right. Last time I was on the air, it was Wednesday. The results of the presidential election seemed to be apparent. The the path for President Trump to be reelected was becoming narrower and narrower and narrower. And it's essentially disappeared, I think, over the course of the, you know, last you know, several days. It's essentially disappeared. Um, what what you have, we don't know how it's going to ultimately turn out. You, you don't know who ultimately is going to win Georgia. You don't know who ultimately is going to win Pennsylvania. But it looks like it looks like Joe Biden is going to prevail. And it looks like President Trump, while dramatically and we'll talk about this a little bit later, dramatically outperforming the, the polls, dramatically outperforming that. It came up a little bit short. And and I, I, I say this because I, I think he has absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. He ran a very, very strong race. And as I have said on multiple occasions, were it not for COVID-19, were it not for the coronavirus, fair or unfairly, I think he would have been reelected overwhelmingly. But, of course, COVID-19 changed everything. We have this pandemic. I'm not sure that at the end of the day, if Joe Biden had been the president in February and March, we would be in a materially different position now. 
um, than we were with President Trump. I, I'm not convinced of that at all. But nevertheless, when you are the incumbent, you know, you, you get to benefit from good times and you take the hit from bad times. And, and so, I, I mean, I, I think while we can break down some of the numbers and look at some of the things we went on and, and try to figure out how we can best improve stuff moving forward, and the Lord knows there's a lot of that going on. I mean, I, I think what you see is a nation which is extremely divided. Um, I, I don't I don't know that there's any sort of huge mandate other than the fact that the Joe Biden win won and, and Biden gets to write history. The winners get to write history. But this wasn't a, a blue wave. The Democrats lost uh, seats in the House of Representatives. It looks like the Senate is going to be 50 Republicans, 48 Democrats going into two runoffs in Georgia in early January. And you want to talk about just it's going to be a blood sport because that's going to determine control of the U.S. Senate. But but it, in essence, you have a very, very divided country. I know that there are some people who are positively giddy, elated over the fact that President Trump lost and that former Vice President Biden won. I also understand that there are people who are just absolutely despondent about that and are angry and are are kind of like reaching out. We were um, when we got back from our trip, our we, we keep. There's a lady in West Bend who takes care of our dog. And so we got back in. We were driving up to West Bend. And so I was driving there. I was driving through downtown West Bend on the way to Sister Pat's house. And, well, you know, there, there were a large group of people Saturday afternoon with Trump flags and American flags, you know, out on a street corner waving and, I, you know, and I, I, they just expressing you know, their their position that they continue to support President Trump. So we have a very, very divided country. There, there's no question about it. And moving forward, I think elected officials on both sides are going to have to figure that out. But the first question is, where do we go from here in the immediate future? Now, back in 2000, I was doing this show then, back in 2000, you had Bush-Gore-Florida that went on for, my gosh, it went on for six or seven weeks. And we had the spectacle of, you know, the hanging chads and the drooping chads and the wilting chads or whatever. We, we had all that, that spectacle. And it wasn't good for, for the country. But back then, the way Florida ultimately went would have determined who the next president of the United States was. In this particular case... The election doesn't come down to just one state. The election would come down to challenges in in multiple states, depending on how you want to look at the electoral map. So, for example, if President Trump chose to mount a legal challenge to Pennsylvania, that in and of itself, even if he won that one in Pennsylvania, in and of itself, that wouldn't be enough to, to carry him over. He'd have to mount a challenge to perhaps Georgia, depending on whether those numbers hold up. It, it, you, would, you would have to fight a battle on multiple fronts, as opposed to in 2000. As I have said before, I think Al Gore pushing what he pushed in 2000 was bad for the country. I understand why he did it. He wanted to be elected. His supporters were behind him. I I think that was bad for the country. So my question to you is, in 2020, knowing what the electoral map looks like, knowing that President Trump narrowly but nevertheless lost the popular vote, at this point in time, should he concede gracefully, and then start working with the Biden administration for the transition? Or should he continue to fight? 
855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. President Trump always says he's not a quitter. And, and, and I get that. You're, you're, you're not a quitter. You know, you, you want to, you want to fight. At some point in time, though, it becomes bad for the country to tilt at windmills and launch battles that realistically you have no chance of winning. So let's tee this up. You want to see him continue to fight, or should he gracefully say, look, we ran a great campaign, we exceeded expectations, I think, and if you want to be bitter and say, I think I got screwed over by, you know, this particular court decision or this particular policy, that that's fine. But do we want to see another two months of court cases, most of which are probably unlikely to succeed, or do we just move on and figure out what comes next? 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I always try to be consistent on this program, and sometimes it takes me decades to, to demonstrate that. Back in two thousand, I thought Al Gore fighting like he did was bad for the country. I I, I did. I mean, the country was in limbo for six or seven weeks. And, and, and part of the problem was, even after Al Gore lost, what ended up happening is it served to, in the minds of some people, delegitimize George Bush's victory. And I, I think it, it got him off to a slow start, which wasn't good for the country. I, I look at 2020 in the same way. As you look at the electoral map, I, look, I, I think President Trump outperformed expectations. I think he ran a great campaign into the huge headwind of coronavirus. But when you look at the map and you look at the different state totals, it almost becomes it, it becomes to me daunting. It's not like you could just go and say, OK, I'm going to fight Georgia because you, you can't just win in Georgia. Then you got to fight in Pennsylvania. You've got to fight in Arizona. You've got to fight in Wisconsin or all these things. At some point in time, I think you just have to recognize that the numbers aren't there. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Troy in Door County. Troy, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, my take on it is uh, he has too many hills to climb and he just needs to concede. Now, I told your screener, if, if I were a betting man, I would bet that he won't go smooth. That's not Donald Trump's way. But I think the Donald Trump era is over. Time to move on. He lost. He lost fair. And uh, that, that's just my thought on it. Do you think... Do you think that Trump supporters will support will will at least acknowledge that the election was was legitimate that that see I mean part of the problem that, that President Trump has had from the beginning is a lot of Democrats just never believed or would never acknowledge that his victory was legitimate oh he only won because of Russia or because of whatever do you, do you think Trump supporters at some point in time will at least acknowledge that Biden won the election uh, no I don't um I've said this before on your show. I can't understand how some people uh, want to be represented by Donald Trump in the office, the way he acts, okay, simply on that. But I got a text from somebody today already. When Pfizer comes out in the big news of this morning, somebody <laughs> said, see, all of a sudden we changed presidents, and now the, yeah. the coronavirus is going away. I'm like, Oh, well, how clueless can you be? Well, it, I mean, kind of my thoughts on it. Well, th- thanks, Dr. Coulter. It is sort of funny. We we were, 
Look, I, I don't go into the conspiracy theory sort of stuff. I, I don't, but I, I do admit I was talking to a couple. That's, that's one of the first things when I when I saw, I, I get up this morning and I'm looking and I see the stock market is up like 1,400 points. And I'm going, well, what's going on here? And, and then it's because, again, of, of Pfizer with this. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's just like people predicted, you know, two days or five days after the election, we're going to get the cure for COVID-19 or for coronavirus. Now, again, I don't do the, go down the conspiracy routes. And believe me, I, I, the, the sooner we get a, an effective vaccine, to get us out of this, I don't care whether it happens a month from now or whether it happens three months from now, the sooner the, the better. But I, I do acknowledge that for people who want to go down that conspiracy route, there's a lot of people saying, okay, see, you know, you know, they, they announced it today instead of two weeks ago. Uh, let's talk to Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? Real well, thank you. What does Trump do or what should Trump do? I believe he should continue to fight. Um, I think at least at this time, uh, there are allegations of irregularities and possible fraud. Um, until a majority of him and his advisors feel that, all right, well, you know, as far as we can tell, for the most part, it was done legally, then they concede. But if they do feel that there's been some irregularities and possibly some illegal voting, I think they should continue to fight. Do you think... The president and his closest advisors will ever get to that point. And I, I mean, I, I ask that seriously because I, I kind of get the idea that at least some people, it's like we're we're, we're going to dig in and, and we're we're not we're, we will never be convinced that the election wasn't stolen. That's a great question. I, I can't give an answer to it because I, I, I truly don't know. Okay. Um, yeah. I, um, I would I would hope that if he did, you know, really feel like that, because I think Al Gore eventually realized that, hey, you know what? I'm not going to win this. Um, right. And there's nothing to do about it. And so he conceded. Um, if, if they do feel that way, then they should concede. But at this point, I do not feel at all they should concede. I think they should look into it, into each of those states, if they feel there could be fraud, mm-hmm. and check it out. Okay. Well, thanks. Well, I mean, I, and, and I think that's going to be the case. I mean, the, 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 the reality, and that's why I started this, by, by explaining at least what I see as the difference between 2020 and, and 2000, namely that in that particular case, the election came down to one state. So theoretically, and again, I think Al Gore was wrong in pursuing it as long as he did. But at least theoretically, if Al Gore could have won Florida, it flips the whole election result. We're we're not at a point where there's there's one state. We're at a point where you are essentially like the, the little boy trying to stick fingers in, in multiple holes in, in the dike. It's not just one. It's okay, we, we've got we got Georgia, we've got Pennsylvania, we've got Michigan, we've got Wisconsin, we've got you know all those different states. And I mean candidly it seems to me to try to overturn election results in, in at least enough of those states to flip the electoral college. Again, it's it's like trying. Well, I would describe it as trying to draw to an inside straight, but I don't think that that's going to happen. And, and by the way, part of the other problem is if you pursue that route. And look, the, the reality is you're you're not going to be successful. I, I think that's just the reality. You're not, and I know I know some people don't want to hear that. And believe me, I, I appreciate it. I don't take any pleasure in ruining your your lunch hour by saying that. But that's just kind of the reality that we are dealing with now. You're you're, you're not going to do that. And even if you did, my gosh, at that point in time, you you want to talk about people not thinking you have any sort of legitimacy? Um, can, can you imagine if somehow you you file a bunch of lawsuits and you get courts that decide that they're going to declare President Trump to be the winner? Boy, you you want to talk about, you know, a divided nation. Let's talk to Marcus on the north side. Marcus, you're on WTMJ. Hello. 
Hey, uh, thanks. Uh, sure. Jeff, uh, excellent uh, point, as usual. Uh, at this point, uh, there again, you just stole my thunder there a little bit. There's not enough evidence because at that point, you were just talking Florida. But when you're talking multiple states, five, six states, and then the cost factor for the president, uh, this is not going to be free through the five states from my understanding. So you're going to put America through that that process, and then it comes out to be the same result that uh, Biden is the winner. Now, at that point, as far as whether he shows up at the inauguration or not, which I believe he will not, he won't participate in anything, he won't concede, but what I'm saying is that you, he does not have enough firepower and money to fight in all these different states with lawyers and prosecution yeah. to overturn overturn the electoral college. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Mark. I, well, and, and that that again that that's part of the dynamic that that's there. It, it's it's different now than it was before. Back with more in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> So very glad to have you with us. When we come back, I want to share some of the emails about this. For for me, I I have to admit, I, I think at some point in time, and the sooner the better, it would be good for the country. It would be good for the country if President Trump were to recognize that prolonging this just really doesn't have a chance of success and would I think it would be good for the country. I think it would be good for the Republican Party, by the way, for, for President Trump to try to go graciously into the good night. I'm not predicting that that's going to happen. His instincts are fight, 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 fight. But the longer this goes on, the more it serves to delegitimize the next president. And regardless of whether you're thrilled with the outcome of this or, or not, you know, it's trying to Trying to cause people to distrust the elector election process is not a good thing. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right. Text line exploding. Um, Jeff, in 2000, the recount was over about 500 or so votes in one state. This year, the legal challenges and recounts are over thousands and tens of thousands of votes in several states. To this point, the battles are futile. For the good of the nation, I think the president needs to concede and to move on. Uh, Jeff, even though the Democrats never moved on, falsely maintaining Trump's illegitimacy for four years at the cost of the country, um, if there is no solid evidence of fraud in the next two weeks, we have to move on. We have significant things to work on. Jeff, uh, no, we should not continue to fight. Um, I No, he should continue to fight. I'm already annoyed with both Biden and Harris. Um, Jeff, there is fraud in many, many states. Thank God President Trump is exposing this. All right, um, Jeff, um, I want Trump to continue to fight. Um, Jeff, only a fool would concede. All right, uh, Jeff, stealing the election is not winning. This might be the one and only chance to show how much election fraud is actually out there. The president has nothing to lose. I hope he never gives up. Well, let me, let me just stop there. The, think about, uh, again, all of you, everybody who's a Trump supporter, think about how angry you have been 
over the especially think about the first two years, for example, uh, about the Russia, Russia, Russia. Trump's not legitimate. This is stolen, et cetera, et cetera. Think about how angry you were when the other side was doing that. And, and, and think about how frustrated you were that the other side was doing that. Well, isn't this kind of the, the same thing? And as a practical matter, I guess, see, that's my question. Is it good for the country? And is there a realistic and reasonable chance that the president could win? And, you know, candidly, I'm, I'm not seeing that that avenue. And just filing lawsuits for the sake of filing lawsuits in various states, I, I understand, you know, want, wanting to fight until the last vote is counted. But sometimes it just becomes a a, a daunting, a, a daunting situation that's there. Um, let's see, Jeff. I hope the president continues to fight. So when this goes to court, it will show how much voter fraud there isn't and expose him for calling on the fraud. Jeff, the cult mindset of my Republican Party is embarrassing. Well, I don't know it's a cult mindset. I mean, people were very, very invested. You you saw this. The pollsters didn't pick it up. You saw the loyalty and the passion that people had for President Trump. And, and they turned out and, and they voted and they threw off all the polls because the pollsters didn't pick it up. More on that later in the show. So, I mean, I understand the passion that is there. I, I get it. And, and I understand the idea that you don't want to have a perspective and think that, oh, the election was stolen. But at the same time, when that sun comes up, and I guess I, I look at this and I keep trying to think, okay, what what is the pattern to to victory? How do you get to those 270 electoral votes? Um, Jeff, I would say to all the 2020 Trump supporters what I said to all the 2016 Hillary supporters. The election is over take the defeat with some class and some dignity. Jeff, don't you think if there was massive voter fraud, they would have stole a second, a couple Senate seats too? Well, that is interesting. I mean, you would think that the fraud would have cut both ways, and if there was going to be widespread fraud, it, it would have affected this. Look, I think you're going to find voting irregularities. You always find voting irregularities. And I think that there's beefs that you can legitimately have. For example... If you look at Wisconsin, I think, and this is going to be one of the untold stories, I think you can you can make an argument that the results in Wisconsin were decided, now we know this in retrospect, when the State Election Commission decided to boot the Green Party candidate off the ballot because of a what I will describe as a technicality with regard to their place of residence, and decided to boot Kanye West off the ballot because the, the signatures were filed, you know, with, within minutes, but with, with minutes after the deadline. Now, this is a Wisconsin Election Commission that typically decides to bend over backwards to try to give people ballot access. But in this particular case, the Democrats fought hard to bump people from the ballot because they knew that if you had a Green Party candidate on the ballot and they knew that if you had Kanye West on the ballot, that would siphon votes from uh, Joe Biden. And in a state that's ultimately decided by 20,000 votes, you, 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 I, I will be forever. I will forever believe that in a state decided by 20,000 votes, if you would have had Kanye West and the Green Party ballot on the ballot, that could well have pulled some votes, maybe that many, from Joe Biden, and we would have had a different outcome. Now, that's not fraud. 
that's just, you know, the, the way the system works and the fact that the Democrats were able to prevail. It's not fraud. It's not stealing the election. It's just that they were able to win that particular issue because some people on the Elections Commission did not see it as the big deal that it ultimately determined to be. Um, and look, and, and I, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on too. I, I think that there, before the next presidential election, hopefully before 2022, we can take a look at some of the things that have gone on around here in this election and we can try to figure out ways to make some adjustments so there, there is more of a sense of legitimacy. I will address those in just a couple minutes, but the bottom line is I, I think sooner rather than later, I think it's in the interest of the country. I think it's in the interest of President Trump's legacy. I think it is in the interest of the Republican Party that doesn't want to get labeled as, oh, we're just like these really sore losers and things like that. At some point in time, sooner rather than later, when it becomes apparent that the path to victory through the courts is just not going to be there because it's just too daunting, I think it would be in the interest of the president to graciously concede, and then start going about the process of of an orderly transition. That would be good for the country. Is it going to happen? Well, I'm not going to hold my breath. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, as we were discussing in the last segment, I recognize that there are some people who who want to see President Trump fight and fight and fight and and not concede and will sue here and will sue there. I I just at at some point in time, it seems to me that that's going to be be daunting. The more fundamental question to me as we try to move forward is whether or not Joe Biden is going to be accepted by a large chunk of this country as the president. As we were saying earlier, I I think it was awful, awful that you have for for the last four years, you've had many people who, who just had the Trump derangement syndrome and just would never accept him legitimately as the president of the United States and, and worked at, at every turn to undermine and belittle him, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So I, I think that was bad for the country. And believe me, I, I understand people being upset that your candidate has not won. I, I understand that, that politics is is a blood sport in certain respects. But I think it was bad for the country the way some people, again, decided to, to dig in and go after President Trump. And as I often say, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean that people aren't out to get you. So now we, we have the, the flip side of this. If it is determined if it is determined that look there's there's no there's not any concrete evidence of a voter fraud which would have changed the outcome in the election you know and, and again you, I, I don't know how we ultimately establish that but i'm not talking i'm talking about really true fraud as opposed to gee we don't like the way this was done or i think it's appalling that north carolina they let you count ballots till you know for and for another couple of days all, all those things which i think are, are legitimate criticisms but assuming we're not able to find overt fraud which would change the election my question is to trump supporters will you be prepared to accept Joe Biden as the next president of the United States? Or 
Are we going to view him as as illegitimate? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, will, will we be able to reach a point where we agree that, like it or not, Joe Biden is the next president of the United States, or are we going to spend the next two years, you know, arguing about how, oh, the election was stolen and he is not legitimate? And, and if so, doesn't that become counterproductive at a point? Will Joe Biden be accepted as the president of the United States? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My answer is I hope so, because I, I, I don't think the reaction, the way that President Trump was treated – during his presidency by a, a decent chunk of America, I don't think that was good for the country. And similarly, I, I don't think if if Joe Biden is treated as an illegitimate president, somebody who got there by fraud, I don't think that's going to be good for the country. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that people should roll over and say, okay, we want the Green New Deal, or we want, you know, you know, socialized medicine, or, or we want that. I'm, I'm not talking about being part of the loyal opposition. Of course you expect that I'm not talking about legitimate policy disagreements. I'm talking about okay, the, the f- questioning the fundamental fairness of our electoral process. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. You know, there, there's a lot of people out there, and I, I'm hearing from a number of them who say that there's under no circumstances can they accept you know Joe Biden as the president. To which I'm saying, and I keep asking, okay. Why and what will that accomplish? And is that good for the country? We discuss. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Mary in Germantown. Mary, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, It is my hope and prayer that we can come together as a country and put the past behind us, move forward with our new president, and I hope that President Trump will go on to do good things in the future. Well, right, because it's it's just, it's good for the country. And I mean, and and just because you accept Joe Biden is legitimate winner doesn't mean that you you have to roll over and think that everything he's going to do that, that you can't oppose you know etc. But I just it's bothered me for the last four years that that people just oh Trump wasn't legitimate and that that wasn't good for the country it wasn't good for him it wasn't good for anybody and I'm with you I hope we can regardless of whether you like the results of the election or not I, I hope we can move together as a country. I agree with that completely. Yeah, no, th- thanks for calling. Look, and I, I understand, I, and believe me, I, I understand because I heard from some of you over the weekend that, that there's a lot of people out there that are very, very angry that, that Donald Trump lost. They're angry with what they think was unfair treatment in the media. There, I, I, and believe me, I, I understand all that. But at the end of the day, sometimes you get a point where I, I think to a point where I, I think you just have to figure out. All right. People win elections, people lose elections. In this particular case, we have a very, very divided country. Like I was saying earlier, there there was no blue wave. I, I mean, there's... There, there, there's, there's no mandate, at least in my opinion, for you know major structural change in in this country. And I think, as I said before, I think President Trump would have been reelected were it not for you know the, the headwind of, of COVID nineteen. But, but that's what the reality of all all this was. But, but there's not a mandate.
mandate here to turn the country upside down. We, we have very, very divided government. And for what it's worth, I, I think Joe Biden's instincts are, are not to do that. That's for, for what it's worth. Now, maybe I'll be proven wrong. That's why, as I've been saying all along, one of, in my opinion, one of the best things to happen to the Biden administration will be if the Republicans win one or both of those Senate seats in Georgia, because right now it looks like it's going to be 50-48 Republican, and, and then you need one or if, – if, if the Republicans control the Senate, that assures that, that the crazy stuff that the left might want to push on Biden, that, that's – you know, the defund the police stuff, that the stuff that ended up costing them, in my opinion, seats in Congress and stopping there from being a blue wave, that – that will, I think, check Biden and at least give him a basis for saying, look, I, I can't go along with the more radical parts of my of my party. So, I mean, I, I think that's that's why what goes on in Georgia in early January in the special elections is going to be so important. But again, I think at some point in time, we, we need to figure out how to we need to figure out how to move on. Again, continuing to oppose people on issues and policies we disagree with. Jeff, this is the new normal. It began with Obama and the Republicans refusing to work with him. Um, and then the people who questioned, you know, whether or not he was a citizen. It carried on with Trump. It will continue with Biden. The country is too polarized to even begin to compromise and work together. That is a sure sign of a failed state. Well, you know. And see, that's what's so frustrating to me about this, because we do have legitimate issues in this country that we got to figure out how how to to deal with. And, you know, I I think there's got to be some degree of compromise. And I think we're kind of set up for that. But only if, if people recognize that now if the Republicans control the Senate, you've got Joe Biden in, you've got Nancy Pelosi, you know, running the House. We, we still have to figure out ways to accomplish some of the things that really do need to get done. Jeff, Joe Biden needs to be accepted as the new president. Seeing how Trump was treated over the last four years, though, was awful. I would never want to see anyone treated the same way. I think efforts that would go into fighting the election should be given to the Senate race in Georgia. Losing the Senate would be awful. And by the way, I am a Trump voter. Um, yeah, I, I think there is an element to that. Um, Jeff, with a Biden win, does that mean impeachment proceedings against Biden will start on January 21st? They did that to President Trump, after all. Yeah, I th- you know, that that's the thing. Do we want to spend the next couple years, uh, again, replaying the last four years? There are people, and I don't know if we're going to get around to talking about it today or not, there are people who strongly strongly want President Trump, when he leaves office, investigated and prosecuted for various things. To which, and again, I'm consistent here, all that stuff about Hillary Clinton and the emails and the locker up, if you go back and listen to tapes of this program from four years ago, I kept saying, look, that's not good for the country. We we need to, you need to move on. And I think I will, if it really comes to that, be making the same argument that all this, oh, we got to go prosecute Donald Trump, etc., all that will be is a distraction to the country being able to move on. All right, when we come back, it's one of the big reasons why the stock market is up 1,372 points as we speak. We'll discuss. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. 
And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, let's get these turkey numbers up. Um, last Thursday, I was off Thursday and Friday, and we unveiled our, our latest WTMJ CARES initiative, passed the turkey and what we're trying to do, um, and this is Melissa Barkley's you know, brainchild, but, but what we're trying to do is encourage you to make contributions to the Hunger Task Force to try to help make people's Thanksgivings a little bit brighter, and we, for, for 15 bucks. You can donate a, a turkey. And, it, again, it goes to people who, who need help through the Hunger Task Force. And what they've tried to do is to let, let's try to get the hosts to compete with each other. And <clears throat> I, I guess I'm okay with that to the extent that it's all for, for kind of a good cause. But what you do is you can go to our, our main page, WTMJ.com, and then right at the top you see pass, you can see a Pass the Turkey, the WTMJ Cares initiative. You click on that, and then it, it's got a it, – we make it really easy for you to donate, and you can pick your favorite show and like i say i we have um i think i'm in third place i haven't been on the air yet so you know we, we can try to get those numbers up so again it's it's a little fun thing that we have going on with the competition but it's a very very it's a very very worthwhile cause as we come up to thanksgiving and especially in in these times where there's so many people that are are struggling etc so if you can do it Check it out, make a donation, and if you choose to, you know, donate the turkeys in my name, that that's good because we're kind of competing a little bit for bragging rights around here. All right, I, I do want to offer just a couple thoughts on, on meaningful election reform. And this is something that I would hope that everybody should be able to agree on, whether you're conservative or liberal or Republican or Democrat or independent. The way we run elections, and don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about fraud. The way we run elections is really, really, really messed up. And, and you know, we, for example, we've seen this in, in Wisconsin, where now two elections in a row, people go to bed thinking that one candidate is ahead or winning, and then mysteriously, Late at night, all of a sudden, the city of Milwaukee dumps thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of ballots, and they overwhelmingly break for one candidate, and that switches the election. And, and everybody that goes, what, what happened? Now, I, I don't think there's fraud involved. I, I, I really don't. But, but it's this process where you, you have all of a sudden the, these giant ballot dumps, and it, it switches results. What it does is it undermines confidence in in the system. The idea that, you know, in some states, the ballots, if they're mailed in, have to be received by um, 8 o'clock at the time the polls close versus other states where the ballots can trickle in for the next three or four days. That, that again, it undermines the integrity of the electoral process. Because even if there's not fraud involved, right, it, it doesn't it doesn't encourage people to believe it. Because if all of a sudden your candidate's ahead, your candidate's ahead, and then three days after the election, it's oh well, we found another bag of ballots here. And I'm not saying that there, those ballots weren't there, but but if you find them, and all of a sudden that switches the election, it, it undermines credibility in the system. And we got to figure that out. Now, there's some easy things that, that could, could help make that fix. For example, in Wisconsin, clerks' offices should not only be allowed, but they should be required to start processing the, um, the votes as they come in. 
so that, for example, in the city of Milwaukee, you know, if if people are voting three weeks before the election, you should be running those ballots through the machine so that, you know, you can be releasing totals in a timely sort of fashion so you don't have the 3 a.m. or the 4 a.m. ballot dump. Because, again, even though I'm not suggesting that there's fraud involved, it, it makes it look fishy when all of a sudden, gee, mysteriously, all these votes just kind of drifted in. If you would allow the clerks to start counting those things earlier, I would presume that you could get then a, a more you could get an ongoing total of the numbers so you didn't have that. There there should be a uniform time when the, the ballots have to be returned. Whether it's it's postmarked by the election day and then received by the time the polls close, which make much sense to make sense to me, or postmarked and then received for a day or two. I mean, all those there's different things. But the way we report these undermines the integrity and confidence in the system. The way we count them, I, I think it's it's a haphazard process that varies from state to state, and again undermines confidence in in the system. Um, Canada. Now, look, I, I, I hate to use Canada as an example, but Canada has a nonpartisan federal agency that administers elections using a uniform set of rules and procedures across the, the country. And so to me, that makes a lot of sense so that everybody is playing by the, the same sorts of rules. You know, you've got countries all over this world that have figured out ways to to count all the votes without distorting the votes, sowing, you know, seeds of, of discord and anything like that. We've got to get better with it. We've got to stop the, the late-night Milwaukee ballot dumps of, of all of a sudden we've mysteriously, now we're finally going to report 100,000 votes. We've got to stop that because even though I'm not arguing that it's fraud, I'm arguing that it contributes to people believing that there is fraud. We have to figure out a way to do better. You know, Florida in 2000, after Bush Gore, was a complete and total cluster bumble. And, and Florida, to its credit, realized all the problems they had and, and they worked on it and they got it straightened out and, and now you know you don't hear any you don't hear people complaining about Florida and Broward County or Dade County or whatever you you don't hear those sort of allegations that are going on you know if Florida can do it the rest of the country should do it and s- surely Wisconsin should be able to do it okay when it comes back you ready when we come back are you ready to get the shot Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The Dow Jones Industrial Average at this moment up 1,315 points. That's 4.64%. The NASDAQ up 23. That, that's less. But big day in the stock market. Um, first of all, it's it's because of the Biden win, and the, I think Wall Street is also betting that the Republicans are going to retain control of the Senate, so you're going to have divided government, and that, that's part of it. But the big factor that's going on is that Pfizer, big drug company, they um, early Monday morning released results indicating that they have a vaccine that prevented more than 90% of infections with the virus that causes COVID-19. In the, uh, Let me just quote from part one 
one of the stories in the newly released data, a newly released data on the first 94 trial participants to come down with COVID-19. The vaccine was found to be more than 90 percent effective in preventing the disease. Half the participants received a placebo. That means a fake half received the vaccine. So the new data shows that more people who received the placebo than the vaccine came down with COVID-19, et cetera, et cetera. And no serious safety concerns reported. Um, As the large phase three study continues, the level of effectiveness may vary. So it's it's not like that that you're, it's not like, okay, this is ready to go to market tomorrow. But this is very, very positive news. Approximately 30% of the American trial participants have racially and ethnically diverse backgrounds. That's always one of the problems that they have when they try to do these tests because the way an 18-year-old guy might react to this is different than the way a 65-year-old woman may react. They're also looking at whether or not there, there's a difference across, you know, racial lines. Does somebody who's Hispanic really act differently than somebody who's black? Um, and that, so, you know, you, you have to get a good cross-section. But the bottom line of all this is that this is good news. There, there's just no question about it. it. It's it's good news because as I've been arguing for the longest time, the truth of the matter is wherever you are, regardless Regardless of where you are on the mask debate and things like that, I, I don't think you're going to get anywhere close to getting that herd immunity that you need until there is a vaccine which is available and it is readily disseminated. And the sooner that happens, the, the better. But it does raise the ultimate question. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but I don't know, maybe things have changed over the course of the last couple months, especially if if we look at the numbers of of COVID-19 cases spiking. And I recognize for most people, you know, they haven't gotten it. For the people that have gotten it, most people have recovered. But I understand there's very bad results. I don't think I'm telling tales out of school. I have a very dear friend of mine, and she's she's in the hospital now. I mean, she's she's had COVID and, you know, wasn't getting better and wasn't getting better. And I, I think you know, hopefully she's going to be released in the next day or so. But it, it's it just, you know, when it when it hits you, it hits people hard. And it, it's something that you need to be worried about, which brings us to the underlying question. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let us say, for the sake of argument, here we are, you know, early, mid-November. Let us say that by the early part of next year, say January or February, the um, the FDA signs off on this, and they start rolling out the vaccines. Are you going to be in the first group of people? Will you get it in the first three months that it's available? I guess that's the way I'll ask the question. 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Will you get the vaccine the first couple months it is available, or are, are you going to wait? If so, how long? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. For me, as I've said this before, and my opinion hasn't changed, it's a conversation I have with my doctor. I, I'm not allergic to shots. I get the flu vaccine. I, I, I'm not allergic to penicillin. You know, I've had the shingles vaccine and all that stuff. I, I guess I talk to my doctor and I say, Doc, you know, you think I should get this? Do you think that there's any side effects that I should be worried about? And if my doctor says, Jeff, go get it, I'm in line to get it because I don't want to get COVID-19 and I want to get us back to normal as soon as possible. And if I can inoculate myself at least from that or at least come closer to that, I want it. 
How about you? Will you get it in the first three months if it rolls out in the early part of next year? 855-616-1620. We discuss. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Veterans Day honors the incredible sacrifices made by our brave men and women who served in the United States military. This week, we recognize all Americans who fought for us. Thank you and happy Veterans Week from all of us at News Radio 620 WTMJ and Tayback Laws Veterans Benefits Center. Gianni in Montello. Gianni, you going to get the uh, vaccine when it rolls out? Absolutely, Jeff. Um, I can't. I, I'm a round-the-clock caregiver for my father, and I can't afford to get sick. I can't afford to be down or even in the hospital. As I get the uh, seasonal flu vaccine, um, also I would I would get the um, you know the, the COVID vaccine as long as it's cleared by the the FDA. Um, I, I think uh, you know it's the lesser of two evils, Jeff. Now, Gianni, thanks. I mean, I guess that's that's sort of how I I look at this too. Again, my my conversation is you know with my doctor and it and I mean he he says Jeff I think you should get this shot I think you should get that shot and and I guess I'm going to trust my doctor to make those particular decisions and do I understand is it possible that you could have an adverse reaction to something well sure I I I understand that but I guess at some point in time if we're going to get to that herd immunity so we don't get to the point where we we've got to talk about shutting down the the country or shutting down the state or shutting down citizens uh shutting down you know cities and putting people out of business and devastating the economy if if you've got a vaccine and that's one of the keys to getting us back i do it here's an interesting thing and i did have the same thought jeff i was watching 60 minutes last night and noticed that they had a report about the distribution of vaccine through the armed services now pfizer comes out with a message about a vaccine isn't it interesting that this happens after the election when it could have been reported before well yeah that that is that is sort of interesting that, gee, it's, you know, it's a week after the election and now we've got the, the vaccine. So the whole problem is going to end up going away. But regardless, you know, regardless of the politics of this, I, I guess if the doctors say it's safe, I'm willing to try it. Jeff, I get the, yes, I get the flu vaccine every year and I will get the covid vaccine when available. Um, by the way, I have a few relatives currently suffering from COVID-19, but I'm having trouble getting through to the, the president to get the therapeutics that we were promised. Jeff, I would wait until the first round of the vaccine is distributed to see if the results are are real. Well, I, I guess, I'm, I mean, I understand. I think there's going to be people that are reluctant to do it. I also think that there's going to be people who just flat out don't do it. Jeff, my husband and I will both get the vaccine as soon as it's available to us. I discussed with my doctors a couple months ago, and he saw no concern with us doing so. He trusts the testing, the testing and the validation process, the companies involved, and the FDA. For your information, my husband is 69 years old with underlying conditions. I'm 65 with no conditions. Um, Jeff, um, by the time it's available to me, the vaccine will have been given to millions of healthcare workers, older people, etc. So the effectiveness will obviously be of, be obvious at that point. Hopefully, by the middle of next year, it will be available to me. Heck, no, Jeff. I, no way I would get the vaccine in the first three months. Maybe after six months, but I'm going to be more conf- comfortable after it's out there for a year. Okay. Well, the problem with that means is that you're going to be going through the next year. Again, taking all the precautions that, that we have to, to take right now, and do people want to do that? Eileen in Glendale. Eileen, you're on WTMJ. Hi. 
uh, I will not get it. Uh, not initially. Um, several reasons. Um, I first of all want to see, you know, what and any reactions, mm-hmm. uh, where it's from, blah blah blah. Um, I, I, you know, I get the flu shot. Okay. Uh, I get the pneumonia shot. Um, uh, I had when I was younger two uh, reactions from a penicillin shot when I closed up my throat. I couldn't right. Freeze, etc. And that was frightening. So. You know, I'm, I'm leery on trying something new, and I'm I'm 77. You know, I, I'm fairly healthy, I believe, uh, and I'm not concerned. I keep distance and wash my hands. Right. Well, thank thanks for calling, Eileen. And again, I understand if you know if if, if I had had reactions to vaccines or things in, in the past, I, I think that's a, a different concern that's there. And, and look, people are going to have to decide for this, for themselves. I, I get it. But the truth of the matter is we we want this to work out because the, the sooner there is a vaccine, the better it's going to be. Jeff, I will definitely get the vaccine as soon as I am eligible. Um, I'm 70 years old and I'm in, in good health. Jeff, I would take it today if it was available. Jeff, if you had COVID-19, will you need a vaccine? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I one of the, again, if you're looking for good news, and I understand COVID nineteen is a very very dark cloud, but you know some of the good news last week, there was the study out that suggested that if you had it, that originally there was some thought that okay the the antibodies might only might not last very long, and there was a study out last week saying that it, at least it, it looks like the antibodies lasted at least six months. So if you had it, you were safe for a period of time. Again, the studies are all preliminary. We we don't. We don't know yet what the final answer is. So I, I don't know if you've had it before. Does that mean you, you don't need it again? I mean, the flu shot, obviously, you get a different you get a different. The flu shot is always changed every year. So you get a different flu shot every year. I don't know how it's going to work out with that. Bottom line is, if you're wondering why the stock market is up so big, it's because, again, positive results on the vaccine front. And no matter how you cut it, whether you'll be like me and be one of the first people to get it as soon as it's available, or one of the people that just wants to wait and see, regardless, if the vaccine works, it's a good thing. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We discussed this the day after the election, last time I was on the air on on Wednesday. And it's been interesting to me because I've been reading a a lot of stuff over the last several days. And there's a lot of so-called election experts that are out there trying to, in my opinion, defend the indefensible. Here's the way, for example, a story of rights in the Journal Sentinel. Pollsters face another season of soul searching after 2020 presidential race. Polls aren't dead. But they're sure in trouble after pre-election surveys created an expectation of a blue Democratic wave and an emphatic Joe Biden victory over President Donald Trump. Instead, multiple battlegrounds, including Wisconsin, went down to the wire and big Democratic gains forecast for Congress didn't materialize. It was a miss, a big one, and it comes on the heels of the polling failure of 2016 when Trump upended the polls and shocked the pundits to claim the White House. The Marquette University Law School's poll director, Charles Franklin, said, the patient is on the emergency room table. You notice I didn't say we're on the autopsy table. I think the patient can still be helped. 855-616-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I disagree. And again, I've, 
I have been a defender of the polls for the last several election cycles, that despite the fact that at least for at least going back to 2014, I think they got it pretty much wrong. And, and, and some have been some have been less wrong than others. But in general, I don't think polling works for 2020 or 2022 or 2024. I think that the way this quote unquote science, you know, has developed just because of changes in society, because of, of cell phones, because of people not wanting to cooperate with the polls, because of all these things, I just don't flat out think that they're worth anything. And, you know, the public polls that are, are based and they're, they're done by like ABC News and NBC and the Wall Street Journal and, and CBS and all these polls that, that especially those polls that do it on the cheap because there's no consequence to whether they're right or wrong. They're they're not worth they're not worth anything. Now, I've talked to a couple candidates who ran now candidate polls are a little bit different. They tend to be more they, they try to be more accurate and more intense because campaigns make decisions based on what their poll numbers say. And and I'm being told that this year that the, the internal polls, that the stuff that's supposed to be better than the stuff you get at the Marquette University Law School poll or NBC or whatever, that, that they were just whacked out. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line I, I promise I'm done with polling. I, I am, because a, until you can reliably convince me that you have figured out the problems that are there, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame. Fool me once, shame on, on, on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three or four or five times, really shame on me. And, and that's what's going on with the polls. Should we ever trust them again? My answer is, is no. For a variety of reasons. I mean, there's lots of different reasons that are out there. But I tell you, the next time Marquette University Law School comes out with a poll, I think the only response should be, well, they don't know what they're doing. They haven't gotten stuff right for the last couple years. So why should we believe them when they tell us the approval rate of Ron Johnson is this or the approval rate of Tony Evers is this or this is how many people support the Black Lives Matter movement or this is how many people support the defund the police matter. Why should we trust any of these things given the horrible, horrible record that's out there? 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I swear that this... Polling at one point in time in our society may have been based on science. Now, I think it's based on witchcraft and, candidly, bad witchcraft. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I just, I swear, I will never, I will never trust polls again. Should I? Should you? We discuss. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, the big problem is polls always get reported without anyone knowing the methodology. We had a poll in Wisconsin showing Biden winning by 17. That can have real-world influence on an election. That's from Kevin. Well, absolutely. I I remember that week before the election. Was that the ABC News poll or whatever? 17 points. And I remember coming on the air and saying, look, this this is bogus. 
I mean, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but it, it's not a 17-point race. There's never a 17-point race in Wisconsin. But yet, then I had I was getting a text from some people, and you know who you are. Oh, why, how dare you denounce this poll? This is going to be just an absolute landslide. No, it made absolutely no sense at all. It was a junk poll that obviously was either conducted on the cheap or conducted by somebody who was completely and totally clueless. But, you know, Kevin is right in the text. It does have real-world consequences. Part of the real-world consequence is it can it can suppress votes. If, for example, if you're, you're a, you know, candidate A supporter and you read in the, the, the press that, oh, the, the, my, my candidate, uh, candidate B is ahead of my guy or gal by 17 points, well, okay, you're less likely that last week to go, you know, if it's a, if you know it's going to be a losing cause, you're less likely to give money for last minute TV ads. And this has been going on for, for a long time. And, you know, they've been getting it wrong for a long, long time. Now, I was willing to cut the polls some slack because, you know, 20 years ago, they, they were actually pretty valid, I, I think, within margin of error. But things have, have changed. And I keep getting fooled, I promise. Never again, they're not worth the paper that they are printed on. All right, let's start with Chris in New Berlin. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Hi, good afternoon. Hi, Chris. I think the polls are going to be invalid from today forward for two very specific reasons. The first one is that people are so sick of the process. We get constant text, email, streaming, that we are sick of it from day one, that we're not going to bother giving ballot information, responding to something, because it's just more noise. Yeah. You're not going to get ballot numbers. The second is that for a quote-unquote news organization, quite often it's not news, it's expressing opinion and talking heads. And like I said, for the chief, they'll put out a survey come back with results that supports their opinion, gives them something to talk about. Right. And again, they're more of an agenda as opposed yep. to actual news or ballot. Right. No, thanks. Well, and, and also, now I, I've, I've kind of explained one of this before, but but bear with me on it. One of, you got to understand, when, when a news organization comes out with a poll, they don't care ultimately whether they're right or wrong. Why are they doing the poll? They're doing the poll to get the story so that people will buy the newspaper or will click on the website. That It doesn't matter whether they're right or wrong. They're doing it to get the attention in the first place. And so what happens is that they... The, the, all they care about is the is the result is getting those numbers so you can get the story that that's that's it so what typically happens is i can say doing it on the cheap and i've explained this before the the way pollsters make money is they charge people per question they ask so you 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 find somebody you ask them various questions one of the big problems that the polls have is trying to figure out who likely voters are this is just one of the examples the way you do that is by everybody says they're likely to vote but but lots of people don't so the only ways you figure out likely voters is you ask a series of questions who did you vote for 2 years ago who did you vote for 4 years ago and and if you find somebody that's voted in every election for the last 20 years, and that person says they're likely to vote, that's a more likely voter than somebody who's only voted, you hasn't voted in the last 20 years, for example. But but you, to find that, to drill down, you've got to spend money and ask all these different questions. And, and they don't want to do it because they don't care. At the end of the day, they'd like to be right. But but it doesn't matter whether they're right or not. They're doing it to get the story. 
They're getting doing it to get the reporters that come down and, and cover this. They don't care. I mean, again, it, it's bragging rights. You want to be right, but there's no consequence for being wrong. And they haven't adapted the methodology. And again, I, I, yeah, I understand that in 2016, they said, okay, well, we've learned our lesson from 2014. We've not got our turnout models that were screwed around. We're going to, we're going to skewed. We're, we're going to change all that. And no, they, they, they just haven't. I'm not saying that the people who are doing the polls are bad people. I am just saying that it is no longer a science. The techniques and tactics they use don't work, and they haven't figured out how to overcome it. And candidly, I'm not sure they're ever going to figure out how to overcome it. Let's talk to Josh on the south side. Hi, Josh. Hi. uh, Just springing up, because before the election, you really were pretty adamant that the polls were correct so not the 17 points not the 17 point spread but yeah i i thought i thought um for example the marquette law school poll that had biden up by four or five made made sense to me and yeah they were wrong and you're right shame on me josh for believing that marquette law school knew what it was doing you're right Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Trafalgar, one or two were pretty correct because they were detailed. But one of your last callers mentioned, I think those times are past because people don't want the intrusive uh, questioning. Yeah. And some people are afraid to express their opinion. So I think lying is a really a bigger factor than it ever was in the past. Well, well also, you can't, uh, that, you, you can't reach people. I mean, okay, do, do, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here. I've got my cell phone next to me. During the last, just during the the hour and forty five minutes that I have been doing the show, I have seven missed calls from from numbers that I don't know that I, I just and I, and I wouldn't I wouldn't answer them, you know. But I but it doesn't matter whether I'm doing the show or not. I I just if I don't recognize the number, I'm not I'm not picking it up. So you know, some pollsters could be calling me. I don't know what the number. If it shows up, you know, Missoula, Montana, I'm not going to answer it. So and I think a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I think a lot of people are like that. You just can't reach folks. Do you think that I heard some uh, theories that it's a little more insidious that they're inflating numbers to get donors and uh, for certain candidates, and also uh, discouraging other voters from from uh, from voting? Well, I I mean I don't know. I would hope not. I mean, thanks for the call. I mean, I I, I would hope not. But but that is see that is the practical effect of, of the of bad polls and. Okay, let let let's let me let's talk about like the self fulfilling prophecy thing. So let let's not talk about president, but let's talk about a race for uh, okay a congressional race, for example, or or a, a race for a statewide office, state attorney general. Okay, so state attorney general, you know, you you come out. It, it's the last week before an election, and you, you come out, and a poll shows one candidate's ahead by ten points. Okay, well, that candidate who's down, I mean, good luck trying to raise money. Good luck trying to, you know, get your supporters excited because everybody said, oh, you're down by 10 points. They've got no chance to win when that, that 10 points is bogus. And it, it's never been 10 points. It's actually two or three. And, and maybe if, if people perceive that it was close as it really was, maybe they would give some money. So it becomes kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, 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 and you're right. I was trying to give at least some of the polls. I was trying to give them some credit this year. And I was wrong. Eating crow publicly. Shame on me. I believe them. I was willing to accept the fact that they said they knew what they were doing, and and they don't. So, I mean, keep this in mind. It's not just election season. I mean, next time Marquette University, for example, rolls out one of their polls saying Tony Evers' approval rate is is fifty two percent, it you, you can't believe it. 
You, there's no way you can believe it. It could be 40%. It could be 60%. I'm not saying which way it cuts. I'm just saying there's no reliability to any of this. Go pick darts, throw a dartboard at a number, and you'll probably be just as likely. Lucy on the west side, always a voice of common sense. Hi, Lucy. Um, this is just an anecdote, and I don't know if a pollster could use it, but I've been walking the ward, a small ward, Ward 214, with 538 registered voters for ever since the gubernatorial election in 2018. I don't think it's any secret that I skew left, but we walk this ward to get people to turn out to vote, not to canvas for one candidate or the other. And... You, you start talking to people about the importance of voting without telling them who to vote for. And they'll tell you what they think. And yeah. they'll tell you what's important to them. Um, and we knew it was going to be close. We sure. were blown away by the number of people. This is a ward. This is a working class ward. With um, uh, it, it just is. And it's mixed racially. It's it's really a hoot of a ward. I love it here. been here for 41 years. But people that I never would have expected to say they were going to vote for Donald Trump just blurted it out. So we knew it was going to be close. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and we were non-judgmental in the way we talked to people because the, the, the marching orders are that we gave ourselves is we're not going to tell people who to vote for. Maybe at the end we used to hand out sample ballots. We didn't do that this year. We figured people knew between Trump and Biden who, where to market. And so we didn't do that. We just stayed nonpartisan throughout. Right. And we listened to people. I think the secret for the pollsters, the message I would have for the pollsters, and that Republican guy who got it right said, I poll differently. I take more time. I ask people what they're interested in before I start rattling off a list of questions about what candidate you prefer. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, the pro- and, so, and, and, and the problem, like I was just saying earlier, though, Lucy, is that that, 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 is, that costs money. You know, that you have, you know, you have to spend a lot more money to do it like that than just rattle off that list of questions. Now, that's the accuracy, but nobody wants to spend that money to to do it. And so you you get a situation where nobody can believe in you've essentially killed your business because nobody believes it's reliable. Yeah. No, no. Thanks for calling. No, I I mean, again, I. Look, I, I understand that there's all sorts of problems. People used to answer their phones. I mean, 25 years ago, we, we had we had landlines. There were still those things that were around, and people would answer the phones, and people wanted to participate. People wanted to tell the pollsters their, their thoughts. Well, nowadays, we have... We, we, we have social media. Anybody who wants to share their thoughts and how they feel about stuff, all you got to do, you got Twitter, you've got Facebook. You, you don't need to share it with pollsters. You, you just don't you don't need to participate. Plus, again, I, if you're like me, you just you, you don't answer these calls from numbers that you don't know. Now, maybe some of you do. Well, that, that's that's good. Sorry. I, I just that's just not the way I go. And I think there's a lot of people that are there as well. It's it's just, you know, one of these overall dynamics. I mean, I just think that the science of this is just is in the dustbin. And I think it's going to be a while. Now, look, there, there were some polls that were were closer to being right. But I, I'm telling you, you you look in Wisconsin and you're seeing like Biden ahead by 17. I mean, that, that was just that was nuts. That was just nuts. Biden ahead by four or five, that seemed to me like it could be reasonable. But once again, for the second election in a row, the, the pollsters could not 
could not assess turnout and could not pick up the passion that was there for President Trump. Now, in Wisconsin, I don't think I don't think those polls stopped a single person from going out and, and voting for President Trump. So I don't think it had that sort of pervasive thing. But in other elections, it could make a big difference. I guess the bottom line of all this is that um, it's just you, you can't trust them. And as far as I'm concerned, these pollsters, they I'd say that they were the big losers of of 2020 but that's actually not true cuz they got paid i mean they they got their money you know the consultants that were pushing the pollsters they they got paid so all these these people that were out there and they were selling their services you know they 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 had willing people who were buying into the services you know the the newspapers that were paying to commission these pollsters they were doing it the pollsters i mean they're described as like big losers but actually that that's not the case at all cuz like i say they got their money the question is going to be you know moving forward you know are, are they going to be able to sell their services again and um at least as far as i'm concerned i promise i promise i promise not i will never believe them again until they can demonstrate through a series of election cycles and i don't know that i'm going to live that long series of election cycles that they figured out the problems to make this more like a science and less like voodoo, because right now it's voodoo and it's bad voodoo. Back with more in just a couple of minutes. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. The um, I did something during the break that I have... I almost never do. And this may be the first time that I've actually done this on the air. I went to Wikipedia, and I'm going to share a Wikipedia listing. Um, Alex Trebek, of course, the long-standing host of Jeopardy, passed away over the weekend. Um, he had been battling pancreatic cancer, which is about, uh, uh, look, no cancer is good. No no cancer is good. But in the, in the scheme of the scheme of cancers, Pancreatic cancer, liver cancer, you know, and a couple others. They're, they're, you know, once you hear that diagnosis, you, you know that, for example, the five year survival rate is just, is just not, not good. Um, he was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic, stage four cancer in March of 2019, and he, you know, uh, passed away. So he lived about a year and a half, which my guess, he probably beat the odds, um, given, again, how just deadly pancreatic cancer is. And one of the amazing things is he was able to keep working. So, I mean, I assume, I'm sure you had good days and bad days, but I, he, you know, he, he was at least able to have a good enough good days that he was able to keep working. And, you know, he, he's apparently got, with these game shows and stuff, they, they film well in advance. So he's got, there's there's enough Jeopardy game shows in the, that have already been taped to run through, I, I guess, the end of, of the year. But I, w- I went to Wikipedia because I was kind of curious about Trebek because we always think of him as being the host of Jeopardy because he's hosted Jeopardy since 1984. But real interesting career. Um, he started in 19, his entire career has been as a game show host. He started in 73, um, worked for NBC as a host of a show called The Wizard of Odds. A year later, he hosted, um, let's see, the game show High Rollers, which had been on NBC a couple times and had been in syndication. Um, then he left NBC, went to CBS to do a show called Double Dare. 
Um, you know, then um, after that, he, you know, he came back and, and hosted the $128,000 question. Then, you know, he went on to do after that, he um, hosted, uh, let's see, uh, card sharks for a while, and he was bouncing back and forth. He's from Canada, so he was bouncing back and forth doing that. So he did card sharks. Um, then he was doing high rollers. After high rollers was canceled in 1980, he moved on to battle stars for NBC. That only lasted six months. Then he took uh, the helm of a syndicated game show called Pitfall, whatever that, I don't even remember three quarters of, of these. And then, you know, ultimately, ended up getting the Jeopardy gig in 1984 when they were bringing the the TV show Jeopardy back and the original host of Jeopardy, who was a guy named Art Fleming, um, the original host, who was a friend of Trebek's, decided he, he didn't want to return to the role. So Alex Trebek took over in 1984 and remained the host in, until his, you know, his death. In addition to hosting Jeopardy, he returned to daytime television to host NBC's Classic Concentration. I mean, I, I remember that. And then he hosted NBC's To Tell the Truth. Um, so uh, this is, you know, you, you go through this, and, and it's it's just amazing. I mean, it's it's just a um, sort of a, a list of a, of a who's who or a what's what of the different game shows that, that existed. And as I was reading this, I was just thinking about all these different game shows that, that they had. And my, my guess is if you're like me, you you know you don't, maybe remember hearing high rollers, but I don't remember how that worked or card sharks or anything like that. But but all these different game shows and and game shows they come and and they go. They're they're hot for a while, and then what happens is everybody imitates them, and then people lose interest, and then they go away. I mean, how many times? I, last night, um, channel surfing, and I came across Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, hosted by Jimmy Kimmel. Now I can remember. I don't know how many years ago when Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was the, the hottest thing around. And then, you know, everybody would, you'd call up, you'd try to go on the phone and you'd try to compete to get picked so you could get a tryout to go do the show. And then, of course, you know, then the shows lose popularity, boom, and now they come back, kind of like everything old is new again. But one of the amazing things, and it is truly amazing, is that, you know, Jeopardy! This edition, this version of Jeopardy, has been around since 1984. So, I mean, you know, what's that, 36 years? And, you know, there was an earlier edition of Jeopardy as well. But this one's been around for 36 years. So clearly, this has a staying power, unlike a lot of the other game shows that are there. I I want to talk classic TV. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you a fan of Jeopardy? And why does it work? I, I mean, look, I I mean, I understand that there, there's been shows that have, that have hung around. Um, but... But in general, shows will come and go. They'll, they'll bring it back. Concentration was big. I, I doubt that that's still on, on the air right now. I know they've got a version of Family Feud that, that's, you know, flirting around, um, floating around. I mean, think back. When I was a kid growing up, you had all these different games. You had the match game. You had concentration. You had all these different things that were, were there. You had password. You had the $20,000 or whatever it was, you know, pyramid. All these different things. They come, they go. Jeopardy has been 
Jeopardy has been an institution. Is it because of Alex Trebek? Is it because of the game? What is it about Jeopardy that makes people tune in 6 o'clock every night and watch it religiously? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have a couple theories, but I'm curious as to why, if you're a fan of Jeopardy, why is it that it works so well? Um, why is it better, if it is better, than all these other shows that are out there? We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Alex Trebek passes away at the age of 80 after a courageous battle with pancreatic cancer. Question is, what made that show Jeopardy so special? You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Alex Trebek passed away over the weekend at the age of 80. He had hosted the game show Jeopardy since 1984. That's 36 years. It is incredible that you would have a game show like that that was on for that long. What is it about Jeopardy that makes it so enduring? Is it is it the game? Is it Alex Trebek? Is it a, con- a combination of all of them? I, I do agree with something that our, our co- friend and colleague Jim Peck was saying. I, I don't think anybody – you don't want to be the guy that replaces Alex Trebek. That's, that's a real tough job. All right, let's start with uh, Greg and Beaver Dam. Greg, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Uh, I, I think the, the reason it's such a draw is it is a game of brains rather than luck. Most games, you know, Wheel of Fortune or whatever, it, it, it's all luck. Uh, you know, I kind of, for entertainment purposes, I love the Newlywood game and Hollywood Squares for the entertainment value. But the only reason I watched uh, Jeopardy really was to see if I could beat the contestants in answering a question. Right. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, Jeff. Well, thanks for calling. I mean, I think, I mean, I I do think Jeopardy has that formula that, first of all, I I mean, right, you're right about the, the, like, the luck sort of stuff. I I think people like to watch it because they, they like to play along. I think it's fast moving and it, it, it makes you feel smart. First of all, People learn things, and they learn things in a fun kind of way. Secondly, I think it makes it feel sm- – I think people feel smart. Hey, I got that one, or I knew that one, or I, I can't believe you blew that type of thing. And it's kind of fast-paced. You're going to go through, you know, what, what 50 or 60 different questions or answers over, over the course of, of a game. And, you know, it's a competitive sort of thing, but you can play along at home. You can sit in your living room or in your kitchen with your spouse or your kids or whatever, and you can all – Guess at it. So it's that participatory role. Also, I don't want to downplay, you know, the role that Alex Trebek played. I mean, I, I think he was he, he was a, a great host that I, I think made he you know, it wasn't about Alex Trebek. It, it's not like remember. Um, oh, what was Family Feud? Richard Dawson, who was the original host of Family Feud. It, a lot of times you got the idea that was more about Richard Dawson than it was sometimes about the, the game. Well, Alex Trebek was never bigger than that game, in, in my opinion. And the game is great. Mark and can Mark here on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for having me. Hi, Mark. You know, I. I think that a lot of it does have to do with Alex Trebek. I remember seeing on TV, I can't remember the lady's name, but uh, she was just going on and on about how dreamy she thought Alex (laughs) Trebek was and how he was just a real big hit with the ladies. Now, I know that doesn't cover the whole audience, but it does cover half of it. I think maybe they just had that perfect mix of 
yeah. really good game show. Plus, you had a, a a really fine, attractive gentleman running the show that women just love to turn on the TV and see. Well, and I mean, thanks, and, and that guys like too. I mean, I I just you know, I mean, I I, I Alex Trebek always seemed like a nice guy to me. He always struck in in a. And I, mean, I have no reason to believe it's anything other than that. Always struck me as the kind of guy that you'd like to sit down and have a beer with, and you know, talk about you know how did you get into the industry and things like that. At the same time, Alex Trebek could have been the nicest guy in the world, but if if the game wasn't compelling, if the game didn't interest people, then you know, the, then you could have the best host in the world, but it's still going to fall on its face. But I, I do think a lot of the stuff it was just a great game because. You know, you you watch you watch Jeopardy. See, I think, I think like I think people like to to be, get smarter. I, I just I believe that. And and you can watch Jeopardy, and you're you're going to come away with that. And you know what? Your chances are you can watch every show, and you're not going to get all the questions. You're going to learn something. You know, you're going to come away. You, you turn it on at six o'clock. By the time six thirty rolls around, if you watch the whole show, you're going to be a little smarter. Maybe not a lot smarter, but you're probably going to be a little smarter because you've learned things. Um, here's a couple of texts. Jeff, I think it was a combination of Alex Trebek and a wide variety of well-selected content. Well, I think that's interesting. Jeff, three things. Fast-moving test of knowledge that was a play-at-home masterpiece. That That's right. You're you're involved in that. Secondly, a truly great and witty host in Alex Trebek. And... Um, yeah, and so uh, th- that's it. Jeff, I love Jeopardy. It's the only show I regularly watch. My friend and I used to watch after school with pen and notebook and compete along with the contestants. I think it was special for a few reasons. Trebek was a big one. His intelligence and wit combined with his passionate demeanor was always a joy. Second, the categories ranged from pop culture to ancient Egypt. There was always something you could relate to. And it kept up with current events. Third, I think it's a game of intellect rather than chance. So it's fun to learn things and show what you know. Oh, oh yeah, there's just no question uh, about it. I mean, okay, so last night I, I'm watching the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire thing. And I think I was, as I often do, getting on my lovely wife's nerves. Because, like, the first seven or eight questions were were really in my opinion, dumb questions. And the guy was like struggling with these. And I'm thinking, how did you get on? Who wants to be a millionaire if you don't? And and then, I mean, the clues they gave were so self-obvious. And this guy is struggling with that. And I I admit, I'm yelling at the TV going, how did you get on there? And and things like that. And, of course, Fran is looking at me like, okay, it's just a TV show. Just kind of let this go. Jeff, I watch Jeopardy every night to see if I can get two questions right and to see how dumb I am. No, that's not it. It's to see how smart you are. Plus, like you said, I do learn things from the show. The really smart players amaze me. Well, it's not just, I mean, here's the trick to Jeopardy, too. It's it's not just that people are smart. It's that people are are good guessers because the way the way the game works is, you 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 pick it. I want you know what I want the Bible for for two hundred, and the minute that the clue pops up, that's or the minute that Alex Trebek gets done reading the clue, you 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 can push the button, and it's really who's the fastest on those buttons. A lot of times, I think the people who are buzzing in are guessing that they're going to know the answer as opposed to actually knowing the answer, but they're they're able to figure that out. Uh, Jeff, the pure class of Alex Trebek made Jeopardy some of the best TV ever made. Well, it's certainly as far as 
longevity, it's certainly great. Jeff, we are swamped with reality TV shows like The Kardashians and The Bachelor that lower your IQ. Jeopardy stimulated the mind, and you learned things and expanded your personal knowledge, a rare thing for TV nowadays. Yeah, isn't that isn't that the truth? I mean, every once in a while, actually more often than not, I'll find myself watching something and or, or reading something or listening to something, and you can just feel yourself getting dumber. I mean, it's like I just spent 30 minutes, and I just I, the, the brain cells are just leaving. I can't believe I spent 30 minutes of my life that I'll never get back watching this particular thing. Jeopardy was different. Jeopardy, if you stuck with it, like I say, you, you learn something. And I think we we like that. And, you know, it was great with the competition. Um, yeah, it just, it, it, it was great. And I, I don't know that there's ever going to be a host, you know, that there's ever going to be a host like Alex Trebek. But it, it was a perfect match between a great host and just a, a great show. The show will, of course, go on, but it's not going to be the same. Alex Trebek, dead at the age of 80 after a courageous battle with pancreatic cancer, sail on.